You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. podcast hell yeah brother overload brother beats by at smoke m2d6 welcome to the cut breakdown of the seattle overload podcast where we will go through all of the seahawks cuts their releases of players which i guess i shouldn't be so excited about because it's a sad day for those guys and their families but also, we'll look at more exciting, more positively, the guys who made the team, the guys who were signed to the practice squad, and the kind of roster machinations that the Seahawks went through trying to actually build their, from the initial 53 to the final, still kind of in bunny ears or whatever, uh, roster. But before that, a certain quarterback... In, in the news, a certain quarterback, a.k.a. Russell Wilson, was re-signed to a massive deal. And that was a five-year extension worth $245 million, including $165 million guaranteed, which is a loss of money. And I'm annoyed personally by this because there's sort of a narrative that's emerged saying that Seattle wouldn't have paid him that. And I think that's false. They would have... They would have been over eager to pick, to sign him to that contract. Mm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that I, you know, what Pete and John said in their first press conference post trade made it sound like it was made pretty clear to them by Mark Rogers and Russ that it just he wasn't interested in signing back in Seattle. And yeah, and I know some people might be thinking. I, I know there's some debate there, but if the idea was that they didn't want to hitch themselves to another contract with him because it would be ludicrously expensive if, if they would have thought, I mean, he just signed a inexpensive deal as far as, you know, new contracts go right now relative to where the cap is at the structure of it, the deals that Lamar is probably going to get so on and so forth. I mean, that's, that just doesn't make any sense to me. So I think they would have happily have paid him that, um, you know, it's it's would Russ have wanted to sign that here um, and, you know, debate the if that's, you know, debate the reasons why if he would have signed it here or not. 
or why he wouldn't have, but I think it was clear that he wasn't going to sign that here. Um, yeah, like the whole money deal, money was brought up as a sort of subplot to this, but the main factor was Russell Wilson wasn't going to sign the deal. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> we can talk money, but that's a hypothetical at that point. But not only because they traded him, but because he wasn't going to sign the deal. And it, and, and I think yeah. no one's pushed back on that. Not Russell's camp. Like, what, how, whoever you, you apportion more blame to wanting out to, and I think it's quite clear that Russell was exploring his options, right? Um, right. But, you know, Seattle was probably doing their due diligence as well, knowing that their quarterback was pushing for that. But whoever, whoever you apportion that blame to, like... Um, you know, he wasn't going to sign the deal. So, yeah. 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 I mean, everything that we've, you know, read, you know, all the pieces that have come out before the trade, after the trade, even from some outlets that I would say we could consider pro Russ on this, uh, you know, in this debate or what have you. Um, We're all saying like, you know, Russ has basically been wanting to get out since that playoff game in Dallas. Right. And there wasn't really anything that was going to stop him from doing that. They tried to make it work for a couple more years. And, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. And it finally came to a head this, uh, this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why Seattle would be fall over themselves to, to capitulate in some areas and then all of a sudden turn tail on then wanting to extend him. Like, I just, you know, so I think. I mean, I don't, I don't know how broad in scope the nature of discussing the contract should be, but for whatever reason, it was just time to move on in his eyes. So, mm-hmm. and the, the, again, you can debate the, the reasons for that, but I just, I don't think he would have signed that deal here. Um, it's a good deal for Denver, obviously. Um, when, when that, well, I am curious just as a neutral observer, once the new money finally kicks in, you know, will Russ because Russ will be older than he's he I think he's aging pretty well, like his arm strength and everything. Like there's no bad signs there. Um and will will they try the, to restructure um or extend again, you know? Who knows? On the point of the aging thing, was it wasn't it you who mentioned about his mecha- possibly changing his mechanics to preserve his arm? Yeah, I mean who who knows? Is it because he's has he's had a, a shoulder thing his whole career um like a surgically repaired shoulder if you've seen it like even in his rookie year like on the mike the real rob report you've like mike rob did a segment on it close up like he he had a dislocated shoulder um and i wonder if you know if he's talking to some quarterback specialists who say you should start throwing differently so that you put less stress on it long term and i do and i have wondered has that only in very minute context has that affected his accuracy because I feel like he's more accurate the higher his elbow is, but I don't know enough to really say there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'd be curious to see does that come to a head? I mean, hopefully not. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it'll be I'm curious to see what Denver does when the new money kicks in. Are they looking at a restructure? Do they pay it? Is Russ still the same guy? I mean, if I had to bet, I think he will be. But it's just you're 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 entering into dangerous waters with any quarterback that gets that old. I mean, we're we're so we're kind of becoming desensitized to quarterbacks' age now ages now. 
but by the time you hit 35, I mean, technically anything could happen. Because even, because uh, there's the Brady stuff with that, right, which is just ridiculous. And, I mean, there's, uh, you know, he's clearly eating the right things, you know. His nutrition right. is excellent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, whatever... I mean, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, but also the fact that Rodgers has managed to play um, so well despite, you know, his age is sort of, you know, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, he's 38 and he'll turn 39 in December, but that's not the norm. Like, it's, it's right. uh, you sort of have to remind yourself of that. And maybe, you know, with modern medicine, modern nutrition, all that stuff, maybe it does become a bit more of the norm. But it, like you say, like... You know, and, and 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 Denver is cold. Like there's altitude, but it's cold. And uh, Russell, like you say, with, with, when you mentioned the new money, Griff, like that's 2025. Mm -hmm. And from 2025, when he's 37, to 2028, when he's 40, uh, his cap number is over 50 million dollars for each of those uh, four seasons. So right. I mean that's crazy, right. but but then you know quarterback contracts are going up. It's just that's still a lot of uh, right, a lot of dough. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing though, like with aging quarterbacks, a lot of these guys when they start to fall apart, it's not their arm; it's like their whole base, like their legs. Like a lot of those guys aren't athletes. I mean, but Russell Wilson, I mean, he's he's going to be doing back squats and and deadlifts and like hardcore sprint workouts till he's forty. So. He'll probably he'll he'll probably age his arm strength, all that the arm talent will probably age fine, you know, barring some like acute injury, which hopefully you know want any player to get injured. But yeah, it's uh, that'll be interesting to watch. I still feel like Denver had to do it, and if you're going to do it, this is probably the better way to go about it. I'd also say his improvisational uh, decline, you know, his right. his quickness, that's already kind of happened. It's like he's already, already had to kind of transition to being a uh less sort of elusive quarterback there's still moments of elusiveness but that kind of real quick burst has gone and um yeah i don't necessarily think it can get that much worse now the bigger thing is if you know if he has been figured out by uh, defenses and scheme which i guess we can we can go and cover in in our preview of the big monday night football clash but right for now be fun. for now good for russ but very annoying, in my, in my opinion. I think you guys agree to hear, you know, the narrative that this, like, Seattle wouldn't have paid him that. Well, I mean, yeah, there's questions over sort of the ownership and the future of the franchise, but why wouldn't you as an owner want to, I, I mean, this is an oversimplification, but surely your franchise is more attractive to sell when you have a franchise quarterback in place. Like, come on. Well, I yeah. mean, we're already seeing the effects of that. I mean, we saw like the uh, the mock game, how there were still tickets available right up to the day. Like they have Russell Wilson in tow. It doesn't matter what the rest of the roster looks like. They're selling that thing out in like the first 30 yeah. minutes. You know, they're yeah. selling games out. They're selling regular season games out. Like, you know, but now that he's gone, there's like, there isn't as much interest. If, if, if they weren't, if they knew, because they knew this was coming, they knew this was coming in 2019, 2020. Mm -hmm. If they weren't going to be willing to make that deal that Denver did, which again is a very team friendly deal as far as quarterback contracts go, then they would have traded him without a second thought last offseason. They would have done the Bears deal without a second thought. They like because they knew this was coming. So the fact that they didn't indicates that they're being stingy with him, which is a general rule of thumb when you have a quarterback that good. 
you should be stingy with them. So I just don't see it doesn't make sense to go, no, we're going to hold on to him for one more year and then we're going to trade him. That doesn't make sense to me. So I yeah, I don't get the, the money angle. Um, but anyway. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would have had the similar concerns about the money uh, being handed to Russ if, if he was still in Seattle for, for, from that aging perspective. I think, uh, yeah, from a neutral neutral kind of standpoint, like you said, Griff, it's going to be interesting to see it all kind of materialize. Anyway cuts the Seahawks didn't cut oh well actually they cut one quarterback Jacob Eason they kept the quarterbacks which we expected them to keep we've dealt with the Geno Smith being handed the starting job and we'll also have a tape review podcast out on that but the big surprise cut was Justin Coleman being released and then you sort of figure out the pieces he's a vested vet Oh, he can be re-signed. Oh, there's a, a few players on on the Seahawks who can uh, who are probably going to go to IR. Oh, they're just trying to create enough space to make some claims and and wiggle some stuff around. And Justin Common then is back on the roster, so that wasn't really a surprise after all. And then the rest of it was kind of it went as expected, I guess. The big one and someone who you DM'd me, Griff, on this player as often happens, and it, it makes me feel like I've suddenly just stolen your idea, but you DM'd me as I was watching him thinking, hmm, this girl is kind of nice, about uh, Joey Blunt, and I think that was probably the, the biggest surprise in the sense that, you know, maybe they've tried to smuggle him on the practice squad, but then dealing with just four safeties, given that Marquis Blair got released, that is a bit risky feeling, and so Blunt comes in as that fifth dude, and he was great in the preseason. Yeah, it's it's cool because I was not looking for Joey Blunt when we were watching preseason mm. third and fourth quarter, right? But he did he he did some things against Chicago where like I was just like, okay, that's Blunt, okay, you know, maybe a practice squad guy. And then the 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 Dallas game, it's like oh, and then the fact that I mentioned him, and then you immediately were like, oh, you no, know, yeah, for sure, I'm seeing the same thing. Sure enough, it makes the team. It's cool that like how apparent it was, right? It was a guy that none of us were you know, thinking of even cognizant of, and then sure enough, he doesn't just make, he isn't just like a practice squad candidate. Cause last year there were some safeties were like, Oh, this should be a practice squad guy. You know, um, he straight up makes the team and he makes the team over Marquise Blair, who granted had a rough preseason, but he did have kind of an okay game against Dallas. Marquise Blair did, but to uproot a guy like Marquise Blair, who has incumbency and experience, and talent, you know, that doesn't mean you're a good player, but those things are still going for you, right? You know, last year of a rookie contract, you can imagine a coaching staff want to, you know, see that through, right? Like they're doing with LJ Collier, for example. But, you know, it didn't happen. But so for a guy like Joey and Joey Blunt's position to outright boot Marquise Blair off the roster, um, you know, that's that's pretty significant. So cool stuff there. You know, he's a fast, shifty guy. I think he has good long speed and then he's really good change of direction skills and uh, he takes good angles to the ball and like in coverage i mean yeah he's he's got some range beyond that like he wasn't really tested to show like awesome stuff right but it's just what there was it was clean crisp you're thinking okay you see the skill set you'd like to see him in more situations we probably won't see that until you know august of 2023 but it's it's good to have him on the team you know yeah and 
you know, you speak to his athleticism, six foot one, 201 pounds, four, four, five seconds, 40, 38 inch vertical jumps, 6.90 seconds, three cone, 20 reps on the bench press, 10 foot, seven inch broad jump. Like that's a really good pro day and it does show up. And I think the Dallas game, again, the way you've said that is brilliant. You know, you were, I wasn't watching for him and I'm like, Oh, that, that's a like smooth way to drop into a curl flat and rock a receiver. Oh, that's uh, that's someone taking uh, a nice shot through the hole. And actually, every play that he could have made it in the Dallas game, he made like there, there's instances where you know you might miss the tackle or you might you might take slightly poorer angle to the ball and and not quite get get your uh, get your play made. But he 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 was perfect. Whereas Blair. While he was better in the Dallas game, he was still a bit off. And it's, at this point, it's give it to the you know 2022 undrafted free agent yeah. out of Virginia who is getting pumped after plays. Even on um, there was a screen and a sort of to symbolize the buy-in, uh, the screen away from um, away from Blunt. It was man coverage. His guy stayed in to block. Uh, the ball gets thrown to the other side. Barton reads the screen out well, gets thrown incomplete. But Blunt is hauling ass all the way across the field to try and pick up the football in the case that it's a fumble. And it's all about the ball. And Blunt clearly is brought in in that sense too. And looks clean in number 35. Really impressive. And I'm really glad for him. And, you know, I'd have to go back and watch his special team stuff. But, you know, pursue angles, playmaking, wanting to make a play, being pumped up, being an athlete. That all is really important on specials. And there's a great picture of him. I think it was with Deshaun Shed, like hugging him um, after the, uh, it was a kind, kind of obscured shot, but hugging him like, after making a play. And I think that's one of Shed's dudes. So rep yeah. 35 well. And and one last thing on him. Because um, watching like, oh, I really like his movement skills, right? Like we said. When I learned that he was six one, I was like, "Wow, he moves like a five nine, five ten guy." He looks tiny. I, yeah, I assumed he was, but it's it's because he's got the movement skills of, of one of those, you know, shifty, rangy, free safeties, right? But he's it's in a six one frame, so like that's, you know, to be able to move like that and have that length and height is you know an advantage. So just uh, all the more reason to kind of you know continue to be intrigued by him. That number thirty-five is kind of becoming a little, little special for Seahawks defensive backs. Sean, Ryan Neal. You know, uh, oh yeah, Neal. Yeah. Ah, there we go. What's Neal? What's Neal in now? Is he in the twenties? Twenty-six, I think. There we go. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So, cut-wise as well, we we dealt with Blair being released. I think. It's weird he we, didn't get picked up. Did he? Did he get picked up by now? Blair. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That might be one where teams are happy to wait it out because they, you know, he's he's got that nasty injury history. They probably, right. you know, want to get that checked out and um, by their doctors, and also maybe there's something they can gain by post week one. But that's yeah. unfortunate. Um, yeah, we, we, we've talked Blair a lot. So the other thing was the cornerback situation. They're dealing with Sidney Jones' practice for the first time today after uh, exiting the concussion protocol finally. And he's got a few concussions in his history, so that's slightly alarming. Um, 
Um, and so it was like, what's going on at, at corner? Because Mike Jackson made the roster as we expected. I, I guess we should talk him. Yeah. Yeah, that rules. What did you see from him this, this preseason? Well, he is a very uh, fluid mover. He spoke about how his track background helps him be, you know, efficient as, as a sprinter, basically. And that showed up. But again, in the Dallas game, when the play was there to be made, he made the play. And that was in a variety of coverages, like the backside of cover one, uh, you know, staying square for as long as possible uh, in off coverage and really looking to like get hands on guys, playing tight ends more aggressive because it's slower but bigger not getting boxed out, um, patient enough, and just a gamer, you know, just just a competitive dude and who can tackle. My favorite player of his actually came in uh, a cloud force situation where it's like a little uh, attached sort of throw. Uh, he's playing cloud to the trips, so the outside underneath in, in like a, well, it's not cover two, but the outside underneath on the cover two side of the coverage. And he gets an outside release from his one receiver. So to the quarterback, it looks like he's man-turned. His nickel, Justin Coleman, to his inside. He takes on the stalk block, but he's firmly inside. And so it's at that point, if Jackson doesn't come off his dude and make the play on the ball, then it's going for a big one. It's a good play to call against cover two. That's why teams do it. But because Jackson has got his hands on, he started his man turn, but then he's got his eyes inside. He then shot through inside, was quick enough, and also brought his guy down, most importantly. And that's just an impressive play. But but throughout a variety of coverages, variety of techniques, he he looked smooth. There's a few plays where you're like, um, you know, I'd against like the first string dudes, he he might have some issues here. I think he's not like He's not like a crazy athlete. He's not a bad athlete. He's not a crazy athlete. He's not. He hasn't got crazy size. So I th- I think in that instance, I'd just say it's a case of um, you know, film study, getting all that down. Um, you know, really honing in, and then exposure, confidence, all that stuff. But uh, g- great for him to make the roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's there's like a big difference in. <clears throat> Like you can be have, you can have a raw skill set, but then you can also be raw in terms of experience. Like your skill set mm. can be fully fleshed out, but you still have to apply it in enough situations. It's just simply a reps thing. And if he really does f- seem fairly developed. It just seems to be put to the test now with more reps, more situations, more different types of receivers, all that sort of thing. And you just you simply can't, you know, you can't get past being raw until you just get out there so yeah i mean week one against you know he he's you can't get better if he has to play week one right if if sydney jones can't go which i really hope sid can but you can't get a better introduction to the nfl and playing like step kick press and defending the red line defending the sideline than going up against russell wilson and Cortland sutton right like that's that'll be quite the test so and, uh, you know, like you said, Griff, you know, the, the experience just isn't there. He's only played four games, four regular season games yeah. at the NFL level. You know, uh, he played, what, two last year, and then he played one in New England and one in Detroit. And that's it. 
over the last three years. So, and, um, you know, I really liked what I saw last year, particularly in that, that Lions game. And it's clear, you know, he just carried oh. that over, carried that momentum over into, uh, into the preseason and he looked great. He looked great. So, um, you know, great just, run for West Virginia. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Cause like with that, you kind of feel, a, a bit concerned about going into a game against Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with a guy that doesn't have that much experience, but he, uh, I don't know. I'm actually kind of intrigued to see him. Uh, I, I kind of, in a, in a weird way, I kind of hope that he actually ends up playing in week one. Well, yeah, I is... mean, I, I definitely want to see him just for the sake of it. Yeah. yeah. Like we don't know who it, it sounds like he's going to be Sidney Jones and then Tariq Woolen, which we can talk Tariq in the, in the next podcast which will be out which is Tuesday your time because like is it so is it not Artie then I know that's, that'll be but but Artie Art, but... got most of his work on the left side but the other oh, guy really? they picked up yeah. cut wise the other guy they they picked up cut wise was Isaiah Dunn from the Jets and he's obviously going to be very new to the well not very new to the system because they the Jets actually do very similar things in terms of uh press quarters press quarter quarter half and from a cornerback perspective the technique and schematic carryover it, it fits from from salah to seattle right uh, it's not the same scheme so he will have to learn some stuff and the communication and just you know move into seattle maybe get a get a nice condo uh is that the right application of that condo overlooking the space needle i don't know but uh he's interesting because he the jets last year made him the highest paid undrafted free agent cornerback uh ever in history yeah. and i remember him coming out of oregon state because opposite him was uh nashawn wright and dunn then came out with 32 inch arms which is obviously the big time peak how metric but he was, he was slightly shorter and they they didn't end up going for him but his testing four three eight seconds 40 uh, one, uh and uh 127 inch broad jump and uh athletic yeah. fast long although slightly shorter feels more like a left cornerback again because of uh the height thing where they seem to be playing big guys on the right smaller guys on the left although pete did mention that he likes to try guys where they're most comfortable in terms of if you think about basketball or something you have a pivot for it right and it's the same with like like i used to play soccer guilty and i am right-footed so when you're striking a soccer ball you're planting with your left foot and then kicking with your right foot. So in terms of if I was going to play step kick press technique, I'd be better to left cornerback because my left foot is my pivot foot. Okay. Mm. Yeah, they, they learned that the hard way with uh, DJ Reed last year. Yeah. Exactly. That that sort of thing. It's yeah. all a comfort thing. So may, I need to watch more of Dunn to see if he's more so, comfortable on the left or the right. And another thing, as recently as August 18th, so it's not like this was an early OTA thing or early training camp thing. This was like deep in the preseason. Uh, Robert Solid name dropped him as one of the most impressive guys in camp. So they still cut him. You know, they didn't think highly enough of him to keep him on the team no matter what. But, but Robert Solid decided that, to keep him, right? So, or I mean, decided to talk him up. Well, that quote was so interesting because Salah's like, he's an incredible impressed man. But in zone, he has a few issues that, you know, we basically need to clean up, paraphrasing. But, yeah. and that, that shows like I saw a clip where he like is 
playing way too aggressive in cover three to the two receiver. Like they say to midpoint and be as deep as the two, but he's like taking that to the extreme and he and lets dude, the root in behind him. But like it's 23 too. Yeah, he, he it's all so. coming together. And like for Salah to say that and then to factor in the context of the Jets were so deep at outside corner, like ridiculously deep and deep in general. Seven of their guys, not just uh done, but six other dudes got claimed off way off waivers. So their 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 ten man practice squad, they were suddenly like, ah, oh, so if three of the first choice guys are on it, uh, seven right. of them have gone elsewhere. So that I mean right. that's that's important. And so to land and... done, like it seems like a real savvy pickup and I sure. need to watch when I get the time and it I can sort of justify I need to watch some do a little Nigel Warrior 2.0 preseason that's right watch Nigel. through uh, yeah the guy the chosen Warrior. one that's a that's a name that's a he, name. he came in hurt that really that really stunted whatever yeah. chance there was yeah uh but so the the last the last solid cornerback that Seattle claimed was a guy named DJ Reed. So Sala has hemorrhaged talent and he probably know he Sala himself <laughs> probably thinks anything can happen with his, you know, bottom of the barrel guys. So um so what you're saying, yeah. Ref, is Isaiah Dunn is DJ Reed. He is DJ Reed. Yes. Uh it's cool though that Sala got I mean it's cool that, that came full circle and Sala got DJ back. You know, that's pretty dope actually. Um, I'm still mad about it. Oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> dope for them for the same reasons it sucks for. I mean, I wish DJ yeah, was on yeah. the team. I, yeah, I like the guys that they got, but uh, I still wish DJ was on the team. Um, he was just perfect in many, many ways. Um, I liked how feisty he was. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Poor but, DJ. Well, not poor DJ. He got paid. Yeah. Good for him. So, but that, that further speaks to Seattle's MO at corner. The, the, the literally the second best cornerback season after Richard Sherman during the Carroll era belongs to DJ Reed. So, and they, they, they banked on him having a good 2021 off of six games of 2020. So think about how cavalier they're being, but they're being cavalier about it because they trust their development and, you know, Carl Scott on top of it, even though he wasn't there for DJ Reed's development, Carl Scott has the reputation and that can't be taken from him. He can develop cornerbacks, safeties. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope Isaiah sticks around. I hope, you know, he doesn't have one of those false start, you know, where he can't, he gets hurt or something or he can't get reps or something. Cause I'd, I'd like to see him. Some context we've done as well is Seattle is basically never playing zone. Like, they're the only time the corner has to play with more zone principles that I can think of off the top of my head at 3.24 a.m. is when they are in a cloud, right? So they're, they're still rerouting and then flipping the hips to look for the uh, deep to shore, look up the two. But other than that, everything plays out like off man or from outside leverage or inside leverage, but still off man or press man. Yeah, and even and even their cover three now, like when they're playing yeah, Rip saying. Liz, yeah, like they're they're almost playing pure man now. On the, the it, it just plays that it plays out like more efficient uh, one rat, you know, like <laughs> exactly. It's 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 one rat with the ability to get hook help if the running back is in the protection. Yeah. So it's it's almost like a supercharged 
you know, cover one, like you said, one rat. But then I, I still feel like it can, I still feel like it can hurt you in some ways. Cause what if the, there's a mismatch in the slot? Or like, what if like, like McCaffrey, losing... McCaffrey comes out uh, from as a fast three and Cody Barton has to run to him? Sure. Uh, I mean, I don't mind Barton's speed. No, don't. Range. I, not, I really don't. I, I love but, Barton. But... But, but, but to your point, it's like it really ceases to become cover three at that point. Like, because what, what really makes good cover three, what makes it sustainable is your hook defenders so like okay we're getting totally sidetracked so the shell of cover three defines cover three's floor but then what defines its ceiling is the overlap in the interior with what the hook defenders are doing that's what make defines your ceiling so i thought what defined its ceiling was that there was three deep defenders uh, very funny that's a little ironic though isn't it the literal ceiling of the defense defines the floor and then the that's just semantics and language but then so in order for the floor to be really good, the, the the overhangs, the slots have to also be really good because they're picking up, right? Um, now, w- that we're saying this based off what we saw in preseason with Brooks and Barton in there. If they can provide hook overlapped and stay spaced for the running back, then it's game over because dun, they're going to, yeah, in a good way, I meant. Anyway. Well, that more that, see, we're, we, we want to talk more scheme and that will come in the next podcast i but, like how i like how the thing that makes us the most unhinged is cover three though <laughs> cover three makes people unhinged by we're the, not way, the only ones i don't know if you guys want to talk about this on this show or, or the next one that we're recording but um so is justin coleman the nickel we don't really know that that's what well, makes it so interesting well i guess he yeah. did get added back but yeah i think i think he is uh the fact he got added back to the roster, you you don't. Uh, he is, he is, uh, and w- mm-hmm. there's tape uh, observations for that too. Okay. But the the guy they claimed off the waivers, the other dude, was Daryl Johnson. Who interesting because seventh round pick from of the Buffalo Bills in 2020. Scott Fitterer does a classic. It seems trademark Fitterer move. Trades a sixth round pick for him. Then cuts him the next year, and uh, interesting guy because he is six six, two hundred fifty three pounds, or at least was at his pro day with basically thirty four inch arms, which is really intriguing. And then you go and I briefly fast forwarded through one of these cut ups of his highlights of college football, and he is able to drop, so he's kind of like that high activity pass rusher. And he kind of stole the thunder of Josh. You are Onajiwogi. Onajiogo. 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 Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Who initially made the roster and looked real glitzy and fun, a high activity dude. We sort of spoke about him in the instant reaction pod, and then he's come in and. Uh, made the team and then has been released and now on the practice squad. But I think Johnson's got a bit more NFL experience. He's played, he's actually played in some NFL games and he's going to offer a similar type of stuff, but also a kind of more interesting layer of schematic uh, variance to, if you think about your Mafes, your, your uh, Nuosus, your Taylors, having like a longer dude who can 
I, you know, just just a bit more of a yin and yang kind of deal going on there on the edge. That's just that's interesting to me. And I don't know. We we have to see what kind of sub packages the seal could get into, but I feel like there's gonna be more of like a forty kind of front, like four down kind of pass rush grouping, including the edge group, and then there's more of like a three four kind of uh odd front group you know where you have a dropper um and so to me having like a longer six foot six dude that lends itself to being aggressive in a four down front that being said he does have the ability to drop too so maybe i'm overthinking that but something to something to be uh, aware of as, as we move into real football right right so ty mm any did, w- am i right in saying that there was no surprises or was there something that you were hoping to see and didn't or was there something you're like whoa john schneider's back on the whiskey allegedly <laughs> well i think the the big one is they didn't do anything at inside linebacker yeah you know they made the two claims none of those guys neither of those guys play inside linebacker <laughs> and <laughs> they cut all of their inside guys except for Nick mm-hmm. Floor, who do we want to consider him an inside linebacker? Yes, I guess he is. But Superstar. yeah, okay. Like, question: If Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton, you know, knock on wood somewhere, I can't find any wood, but let's just say we knocked on wood here. If both of those guys go down in a game, obviously Belor is the one replacement. Who is the like emergency <laughs> off-ball linebacker? Hello, is this is this Ryan Pace? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, right. So, so uh, they did move Doncourt to inside, or at least they're experimenting with that. Okay. That's one kind of option, but I don't. He's think doing he the hokey cokey. Yeah, he's been yeah. in. He's been out. He's mm. been in. Right. So I don't. Did I don't. They ship I, it all about. It, it, it is. He is that be nice if it's been moved? Did Pete say that in a press conference? Because of in out. No, whatever. Oh, it sounds no, I like a, I could see Pete making a dad joke like that. We're, we're really um, similar. But then the the other kind of only answer you can kind of come up with, which they still may find a guy, is that they become a big dime team or a big nickel team where they legitimately, uh. where they legitimately have to put someone inside. Now people will joke because we know exactly where most are going with this. The guy who has more experience on Seattle's roster, literally playing linebacker, not in the box as a safety, but literally aligned as a linebacker in the box, is Ryan Neal, not Jamal Adams. So they might say, okay, Ryan, you're kind of like our Mike or Jack now. And with keeping Jamal in there. Now, the, the, the thing, though, is they just may not stay in their base package very often. Right. So Neil might be the the default answer, but then their real solution is to spending more time in dime, more time in in nickels, to where the the, the you still have the right guys in the right places because you don't want to okay. you don't want to have Neil to be in that position too long because it's no. it's really it's not just skill set it's like you have to literally know what all the checks are and the alignments are and everything and it's it's like so much of it is the mental part of it. Yeah, Neil's like barely two ten, but he's actually played it you know um now well, in a perfect world you'd have jamal's skill set in there because he's 215 220 they are gonna do that they are i know you're trying to push back on the well 
It well, yeah. feels so like we're Josh back on the Adams is a line. Josh Jones too, yeah. yeah. So what, what we spy is going to be camp. an overhang though in a lot of that. I predict. Spies at training wrong. camp have revealed mm. that Jamal Adams is playing as the guy in the box. Now, we got a question actually the from... Prime box. <laughs> you wouldn't know a box if it was looking you in the face. Ooh. Um, Big burns here on Seattle overload tonight. Um, we had a question on this. Uh, topic from scott v myers who has supported the pod a lot so thank you scott and he's asked question gents mm. we're all gentlemen from an alignment perspective assuming the same coverage is called against the same offensive formation would dime and nickel look identical and so there's stuff to unpack there in the yes they they would but it depends kind of on the front which scott didn't refer to and what I think is when they're big nickel, it will be what the the Fangio and well the Staley tree have called Penny, where the they come out in three three five personnel, but Seattle is in big nickel personnel as well. And so the front is a bare front. So there's five guys down at line of scrimmage. You have your two outside linebackers, and then you have your three interior dudes covering the guard and the center and the guards and the center and then you have two off ball inside backers where you have basically jordan brooks in the a gap and then adams as griffin said in his correct pushback adams will occasionally be going you know across to the slot or you know they'll sky him but then also you can drop the the weak outside linebacker and you can have adams playing a hook or in the strong hook it depends on what flank you're getting from from the offense, but if it's and 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 in that big nickel look, Conjay Diggs is kind of the nickel in terms of he would handle a fast slot receiver. He'd match up with him, and then Josh Jones, he's the deep safety, but also um, you know he can play like hard quarter. He can come down. There's a lot of loads of options within that. And then Ryan Neal still to come back. And as Griffin said, Neal had already played that um, last year. Now, in big dime, Seattle ain't going to be playing f a five front. They'll be in a four front. So it'll look different in that sense. So you're losing an outside linebacker. You're gaining your actual true nickel back. So you're gaining Justin Coleman or Kobe Bryant. Depends who you want. And then you're having... Adams or Ryan Neal or Josh Jones in the box. But then Diggs is back deep and you might have another dude back deep as well, like Josh Jones or Jamal Adams or Ryan Neal. But one of them basically plays the box. But it's more of a 4-2 look, whereas the big nickel thing that we're talking about, the penny thing, that looks like a 5-1 or a 5-2 or a 5-3, depending on the coverage. And it has... Jamal Adams in the box sometimes, but also not always in the box because it depends on the coverage. But and then even if he is in the box, it's for coverage purposes. Yes. It's it's yeah. It's all about the coverage. The 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 front the front the front is uh to facilitate the coverage and you can run a variety of coverages while being aware of what your front can do. <laughs> so yeah. For instance, 
if you're going to send four, well, then they might send the strong outside linebacker. Uh, and then to facilitate that, Adams might play weak. But if you're going to play cover three, they might send the uh, the weak outside linebacker and drop Adams into a strong hook or weak hook. Um, it depends on the flank. So right. I, I don't know. We there will be there that's not a sentence. There will be examples of this, and you know we'll we'll be tweeting about them. So mm-hmm. Denver that will be the thing they unveil against Denver though, and yeah. it's the thing they've been trying to protect, even though the Rams like did it all the time, and it's so obvious to do it. Right. The the only other aspect I would include to answer scott's question is that while they still might be doing the same things right with you know assuming same formation same coverage but different personnel being in different personnel lends it toward doing different things even if you're going to do the same thing so that means you might want to use that expectation disguised differently thus changing the alignment but the way it plays out might be the same as it would otherwise it's just you're wanting, you know, the right yeah. skill sets on the same types of offense. Well, and the big thing with having Adams in the box is it's easier to blitz him. Um, yeah, that's the other thing. And that's where I think having him be the essentially the nickel in in regular big nickel as, as the star, the way that Zimmer used Harrison Smith, is that provided it's not like a like not Tyreek Hill, but provided that it's you know any quality slot receiver but it doesn't have to be a pro bowler having that safety there to where he can handle a lot of the stuff or play like say the vertical hook in half quarter quarter but like you said you're still if he's in the overhang then those slot blitzes that you know like yeah. open, open that up like you're Great saying point. because then in that instance uh for, for the listener in that inst- instance you have digs capping adams you have Josh Jones back deep, and you can play too high. You can rotate. Uh, if we're talking real basic, the line is in an over... Well, say the line's even in bear, right? You can slant the line. You can send Adams off the edge. You can slide digs down to cap the slot, play seam curl flat in the, the three deep, three under coverage. You can put Josh Jones back into the middle of the field. So that's a great yeah. point, Griff. Uh, it's, it, and it's easier. Like Adams is good enough, I think, to... Uh, blitz an inside gap like a b gap or an a gap it's way easier to send off the edge of safety yeah. you know and and yeah. really the way offenses work it is more advantageous in most situations sure mm-hmm. and like it's that has to be a something that they need to present as an option to the offense where he could go even if he gets zero production because it's it's about dict it's about establishing tendencies to to dictate to offenses to protect a certain way and then from there, if you establish a tendency, it's like your anvil and then your tendency breakers become your your hammer um, so that you can play with them. So like Adams, Adams will blitz, not a crazy amount, I suspect, but he'll blitz definitely. Um, but his production doesn't necessarily matter isolated to him it's what it's doing for the over you're establishing the blitz you have to establish the blitz. yeah you you, um, you need you need anchor points because you 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 need you need defensive anchor points where like jamal in the slot you have to account for him but then also you have to account for whoever the best edge rusher is on the field 
then you also have to account for who the best interior rusher on the field is so that they're sliding accordingly. And then you send the blitzers either opposite or with it. And then, you know, that allows you to get matchups on the other side of it. You know, that means your, your other, your second edge rusher gets a advantageous, you know, one-on-one matchup. Now, if, if they're, if they're prioritizing resources to, yeah. So week to week, like depending on opponent and depending on matchups, we are likely to see a lot of variance, which again is why we've said in the past that Clint Hurt is really going to be spinning a lot of plates to not like get too far away from, hey, this is like what we're good at. This is our base because multiplicity can lead to kind of a a wishy-washy lack of identity. It can also be great. So it's going to be very exciting to see play out. The final thing, and I can't believe we haven't mentioned it, is our guy. Uh, well, firstly, our guy, Josh Johnson, unfortunately waved injured. We didn't see him all preseason. No one had asked where he was. Uh, it's a shame that it didn't work out for him. Hopefully he's okay. He can still play football. And more importantly, his his quality of life is all right. And hopefully he'll get another shot next year. But the other our guy from the 2021 preseason was Miles Adams. And he has just continued his upwards trajectory. And he made the roster. And the guy he beat out, basically... Through injury, LJ Collier landed on the pra- uh, on sorry on the injured reserve list with a with a hurt elbow. So great for Miles Adams, very very sort of clicked in terms of being a disruptive player. Uh, he sort of last season was technically refined, but uh, he he wasn't quite disruptive into the backfield. This year he sort of continued, you know, putting it all, slotting it all uh, together, and. You know, he's ripping through into the backfield. He's he's reading the center slide and then working his one-on-one really nice. And it's just beautiful to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, first, like, in breaking him down to his re- respective parts, like, first step get off is there. He has, like, a, a compact but explosive body and, like, you know, l- l- low to the ground naturally. Like, he gets deep into his stance, you know? Um, he's got hands and everything like his first step is simply too much for most guards to be able to handle in the league. It's, he's just faster than them out of their yep. stance, but then he's got weight to throw behind it. So that means he's got speed and he's got strength. So that means power. Right. But then he's also got hands like we talked about, but then even from there, like you said, he's reading the protection, knowing what's going on in front of him helps him anticipate and play even faster. And then even when he, even if if he's not getting into the backfield early, he's somehow getting to the backfield late as well, uh, just because his block disengaged from a face-up position where he's lateral and he's not able to get upfield really. He still finds a way. And then once he does get going north and south, he gets north and south in a hurry too. So it's just – and then he's got agility too. So it's like you almost think you're describing a pro bowler here. The, the only thing is like he's he's got traits – He's got skills. I hope he gets a lot of playing time. There's probably 200 snaps for him to play, I think, mm-hmm. this year. Um, yeah, so you think, because I, I'd have thought, like, you know, Shelby Harris, Alwoods, Puna Ford, Quinton Jefferson. Harris, Jefferson, Ford can all be that kind of rush three technique, right? Yeah. yeah. So for Adams to get playing time ahead of them, that feels... He- difficult i i don't know it'd be interesting to see where he slots in having a rotation going never a bad thing but right how they right. manage that how they work the packages where they see adams fitting in his best i'm 
I'm interested. Right. He, he yeah. even might be the nose tackle in um, the even front, like sub package world because yeah. of his quickness and, you know, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- I, I suppose one of the main things to look for is his path to more snaps is does he straight up climb or leapfrog Quentin Jefferson on the depth chart in all packages? Mm. So like that, that's because Quentin Jefferson, we know what he is. He's a solid rotational pass rusher who can give you some run defense in the right context, right? Like he's not purely just a, you know, he's not Rasheem Green sized. He's 290, 295. He's not. He got pushed around a bit. uh, And he always, and he always has been. But I'm just saying his weight still allows you to kind of like he can factor a little bit in the the rotation if you're trying to find snaps for guys. So Miles Adams also being a 290, 295 guy, although built differently. It's like we know what Quentin is. He's he's a okay, decent pass rusher who can really flash at times. So given that we know we're so clear on what Quentin is, if Miles Adams leapfrogs him in essentially his first real year of action, that would be a pretty significant thing. So that's something to watch for. And if he doesn't, okay, Quentin Jefferson's still a solid player. But um, yeah, so that's kind of my yeah how I'm viewing Miles for you for this year. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's that's the cuts dealt with. The three line inside linebacker situation is slightly concerning, but that yeah they'll have to do a do a deal. I think if if there were a bad injury. Uh, Tanner Muse is on the practice squad. He'll probably be a game day active for his special teams ability. And then right. John Ratican is on pup, so he's still to come back. But I mean, also what we're talking about here is Brooks and Barton are so good that you know a, a depth piece is very unlikely to be able to replace them. So mm. anyway, anyway, I- until next time. Thank you for listening, watching. Please like, subscribe, five star review. I'm going to get quicker at this. Follow the podcast. Follow us. Mm. Exciting news is is still coming, so don't miss out on that. And we appreciate Indeed. it.